Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. It sounds kind of sexual, but it's not. <laughs> you know, some people think the inside of you. I've had people have told me I had a shirt on that said "Inside of You," and people are like, "That's wrong." I'm like uh, the person's like, "I'm it's a, it's a podcast and talks a lot about mental health and stuff." And they're like, "Oh." Well, there's always a little chuckle at the end when you say, "Thanks for letting me be inside of you" to your guests. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to be inside of your mind, inside of you. It's always taken a little bit sexually, though. Is it? Yeah, a little bit. But I it's never for, think. But about it's that. for fun. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's not that I don't think about that. It's just that I really try not to think about about that. <laughs> Well, it's fun to say at the end. It is fun. It's fun to say. People have a sense of humor. If not, don't listen. Yeah. Uh, big guest today. I love this guy. And if you don't know him, you've seen him in a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. He is spectacular. I had the uh, the um, privilege of working with him in a movie. Uh, we did a movie called The Neighbor. And uh, it was a joy to work with him. He's a, an amazing, intense, giving, loving person. Uh, all in one. Uh and I loved his stories. When you get someone who's a little older, and I don't mm-hmm. mean old like an old man, I mean older, just who's lived, who has stories. His stories of how he got into acting and how he made it are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, before we get into that, letting you know that I'd love you to join Patreon. Uh, Ryan, what's Patreon? Patreon is the place uh, where you can support the podcast. It's exactly <laughs> right. You can go to patreon.com slash inside of you. There's different tiers. Uh, I send merch. I, you know, we talk with with uh, my patrons who join, and if you join, I will send you a message right after thanking you. Uh, you can get merch boxes and uh, Q and A's live on YouTube with me, and there's just a bunch of stuff. Check out Patreon.com/slash Inside of You. Join today. Uh, support the podcast. It means a ton. If you're digging this podcast, it's a small podcast, and you're really loving it, and you're like, hey, I want to give back a little. So be it. We really appreciate you. Um, also, the inside of you online store is around. If you want to buy cool merch, signed uh, memorabilia, Smallville scripts, uh, Funko Pop, Lex Luthers, uh, lunch boxes signed by Tom Welling and myself, or just uh, inside of you tumblers, inside of you. There's a lot of different inside of you things, so you can do that. And uh, I appreciate all your love and all your help. Thank you for everybody that came out to watch the band. My band is called Sunspin. You can go to sunspin.com, check it out, get a Zoom with us. But we played two shows on. Uh, a week ago uh, two weeks ago and uh it was a joy we we played a lot of new stuff we're working on the album thanks for all the support the love the album's going to be coming out in a couple of months we're working really hard on it and we hope you enjoy it and uh without further ado why don't we just why don't we get into it ryan are you doing well i didn't even ask you today i mean what an asshole how are you <laughs> i'm fine are you i'm doing all right yeah yeah sometimes i just sometimes you just are exist sometimes we just feel like we're existing yeah we're not doing much more than existing yeah but you know what yeah. existing is enough isn't it you're alive it is it is it's it good is. to be alive it's good to be alive i mean there's a lot of great things about being alive one of them is you're alive as long as you can <laughs> as long as you can take that second to say yep here i am alive and that's um 
That's that's the key. That I should, think you, that you, should feel good. Yeah, you wake up in the morning and you just go, oh no, that's not a good way to start your day. But if mm-hmm. you wake and go, hey, I'm gonna make my bed. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have some water. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go outside, take a deep inhale and exhale. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go pet my dog. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go downstairs. I'm gonna make myself a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe gonna call my grandma. <clears throat> I'm gonna get up my computer and see if I got any emails. That's a good one to keep doing. Call the grandma. Call the grandma. Oh, yeah. You gotta keep calling her until. You don't get to call her. She loves to hear from you. I love my grandma. I just talked to her yesterday. She's like, I'm bored at this assisted living place. These people are old. I'm like, well, <laughs> she's 94 in June. <laughs> talking to me about how old people are. Uh, she's amazing, though. I love her. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Hey, let's just do this. Without further ado, let's get into the great, the amazing, I love you, Bill. Let's get into, let's get inside of Bill Fickner. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. So you're seeing all this shit. You see the goalie mask. And the first thing you said was you played goalie because I have a Jason Voorhees mask from Friday the 13th. You yeah. are you were, you were a goalie. Well, that's what's, you know, when did this film come out? Probably 78. You know, because they don't wear masks like this anymore, no, which no. you did in the 70s. And then they started getting into like baseball catchers. And then things. neck. And the guards, neck thing. Yeah. The neck thing because of because of the goalie for the Buffalo Sabres. Clint Malarchuk. Yes. Yes. That got the skate and, and the neck. That changed the way they do that. But back then, this was it. And all you had on the inside of that were like, eighth inch like little like pads almost the stuff you put on the bottom of furniture legs and you wore that that's what we wore that was it did you ever get hurt like what about slap shots i never got like if you got hit hard enough you're like like in a cheekbone you could split the skin didn't happen to me well you remember the famous goalie for the boston bruins gary uh, jerry cheevers yeah um he got hit so hard on his mask that he that afterwards there was such a mark on it. He, t- he took like a like a sharpie, a magic marker, and he wrote. And then he did the little like stitches on it. <laughs> and then the next time he got hit in the mask, he did it. And by the time the guy retired, his entire mask was stitches. Just everything. Yeah, everything. Just marks all over his face. Uh, you know, I, the first thing I was going to say is I think you look fantastic. Well, thank you. No, <laughs> no, you do. Take a minute I, I mean, I was like looking you up and all this stuff, and I know you've done so much freaking work. I mean, everybody recognizes you from so many things, but I couldn't believe you're 65 years old. 65 in now November. That, that baffles me. I, I just always picture you, and it's funny because I, I'm going through like a little midlife thing. I think you know I'm, I'm turning 50 in July. Do you remember turning 50? Did it bother you? Um, no. 27 was the only birthday that bothered me. <laughs> why was 27 because 27 was like you know I, I wasn't in my early 20s i wasn't in my mid 20s i wasn't working i was going into my later 20s and it was i, I just remember uh 27 was you know on november 27th when i was 27 i was like this sucks um 50 i kind of had a good time 60 i woke up and i i just i smiled all day long I just giggled all day long. My wife's like, you want to do anything special? I'm like, honey, you know what I like to do every day? 
I go to the why. Michael, why do you think my hair looks like it does? The reason I couldn't come any earlier is because you had to sign up for your swim time at the Y. I you, had an 11 o'clock swim. I had to go right from there, boom, hop in the car and come here. Do you swim every day at the Y? Monday through Friday. How much do you swim? How far do you swim? I don't really go by distance. I go by time. Um, I'm going to guess. Minimum. 30 minutes. Minimum. Minimum. And if I have time today, 30 minutes, because I wanted to get here, um, 30 to 40. You know, some days are a little quicker than other days. It depends on the night before. But um, but minimum 30. Five days a week. Really? Yeah. And how do you feel? I mean, it's why I do it. You know, just, you know, for... I, I, I don't know. I like it when it comes to fitness in my life, it's, it's, it's not even like a question. Well, oh, man, am I going to work out today? It's a given. I mean, it's just a given. It's just what I, it makes working me- out. So you're going to swim or work out every day. You know, I'm going to take it. There's, there's always going to be one day a week, whether it's Saturday or Sunday where something's going on and it's like, all right, so that's the day that I'm out doing something or I'm driving up North or something. And I got to drive 500 miles. I'm not going to do it that way, but that's not necessarily true. Because a lot of times we leave here, we drive the 500 miles up to Truckee. And, uh, and you know, there's a beautiful outdoor fitness center in this area where we live up there, where we have this house. And they have two exterior lap pools outside. So you get up there, it's 15 degrees out. There's a snowstorm and that pool's about 80 degrees. Oh, I'm in that pool. Swimming with the snow coming down. That's, wow. that's, that's when it gets heaven. So part of the smile on the face is like, I mean, you feel good. For the most part, you wake up and you feel good. Do you, have like, do you feel like you have a lot of energy throughout the day? Are you one of those guys that get, you get tired? I get tired all the time. I'm always tired. I think I'm eating wrong. I'm probably eating wrong. I'm not exercising enough. I'm not doing the right things. But you think swimming is, is something that I should? I think, I think some sort of fitness for everybody. I mean, I think, you know, you live up here in the mountains. To walk these hills for 45 minutes? Oh, man. That's like... Yeah, I don't do that. I mean, that would be <laughs> that would be awesome. No, you would, seriously. You would do that, yeah. Yeah, I would do that around here. I mean, I'd do that with my dog at home out in Glendale, you know. I go take a walk up in the mountains. Um, you know, to me, to have my body in motion is, is it just, I may, I'm alive, you know. I want to stretch. I want to, you know, I just want to, I just want to be... It's just everything about the way I feel, you know, the way I look, listen, you know, you know, you look the way you look, you know, the age that we get, we get older. Yeah. I don't really care. You, you know? don't care. I not really. Do you, do you not, you're not concerned about it because most actors were concerned about our looks. So, you know, the right makeup, we got to look good. Do you want to look good? Do you always like, or do you kind of like let it go? And like, I'm worried about my performance. You guys worry about that shit. Listen, as, as long as my hair is not too neat, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know? <laughs> as soon as, you know, my wife's like, why don't you cut your hair? And I'm like, why don't you back off, Jackson? <laughs> um, and I don't care about, I mean, listen, I got a, I got a good buddy of mine. I, you know, I'm this close to telling him, hey, buddy, just back off on the eyeshadow. Come on. I mean, you talking about on. Kim? I, I, I'm not, I'm not throwing <laughs> names out there. I'm like, come on, Alice Cooper. Let's just calm down. Right <laughs> How old is he? I didn't say it's Kim. So you didn't it's say like, it's don't, Kim. But don't I, tie that no, together. He's like, you think he's going to listen to this? Don't tie. He just might. He, he listens to everything. Coatsy is a year and three months younger than me. Wow. Kim Coates. And you met on Black Hawk Down. I met on Black Hawk and Down. And you and him and Eric Bana became really close friends. Forever. Just from that movie. I talked to Coatsy almost the entire ride from the Y to here. What do you talk about? You know, we catch up. He's been out of town. So, so, you know, but Coatsy, he's also that guy that, you know, 
you know, I got a lot of close friends, and and I got one that I wrote uh, my film Cold Brook with, Cole Kane Devore. Brooke. Uh, you know, Kane's like my little brother. Right. Uh, you know, Bacozzi's that guy. We always, we got to have that one guy where something's troubling me or something. I, I talk to Coates about it. I talk to him about Put everything. Put you at ease. Put you at ease. I, I just, we're, we're those kind of friends. But all the movies you've done, you, a handful of people you become close friends with? You know, not more than that. It's, I mean, you know what it's like. We work with a lot of incredible people over time, but- you know, when you finish something, it's no guarantee that you're going to, you know, that you stay in touch. Life goes on, you know, or, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. And the people that we're close to and, you know, and, and then I have kids and have kids and, you know, all of that. So you don't get as many that, that are going to be, you know, friends forever. You know, yeah. it's not like you don't, you don't miss them. You know, I've just worked with some great people in Austin and. Who'd you work with? Uh, well, I w- worked with Ben Affleck and I have before. Right. Uh, and I worked with this actress. Uh, What'd you work with him on? Uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. Right. And uh, I worked with this actress, uh, Elise Braga, right. and uh, you would know her from uh, Elysium and many things. Uh, she did this that series for five years. About uh, uh, they shot it in New Orleans. Shame on me for blanking on it. But she's uh, she's really incredible. She plays the lead in this. Um, you know, you work with a lot of great people. And and you hope that you're gonna you're gonna see him again. You don't know if circumstances are gonna take you that way, right? You know, and and I think when you know there is something about meeting somebody and working with somebody that's incredible, but there is that thing of like I said, so many hours in a day, and then somebody's gonna become, you know, how many Coatsies have I met? I've done fifty films. I have one Kim Coates, one guy you just hit it one off. One guy that's just like you know, all right, you're my brother. You're the same age as me. We go through the same stuff. We're pretty so similar in, in life and career. So you talk about prostate shit with him. He's a guy. You can Everything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I talk about it with my friends. I'm, I, I was just dealing with some prostate yeah. shit. It's fine, by the way. You know, how was that colonoscopy? I got to tell you something. When he got that, that you know. Just, <laughs> hey, how you doing? There's a, not, not a lot right. of people you're bringing that up with. No, not a lot. Well, me, on the other hand, <laughs> I probably bring it up with everybody, don't I, Ryan? You do. I do. I do. You know, I look at you, and I and after working with you, and I loved working with you. You're very, you're a very giving actor. You're very thoughtful, but you're also very present, and that's something I, I really, I, I wanted to step up. I wanted to do a great job because I, you know, I liked you. I was impressed by you and, and your work. So I, I was always, I felt like there was some kind of, uh, you know, uh, it was, a, it wasn't a challenge, but I was like, I got, you know, I got to make this guy like me. He's got to like me. I'm always that guy. I want, I want people to like me. I don't think you are that person. You don't give a shit. You do your work. If they like you, they like you. Are you that guy? I I, I think so. It's not like I I don't care, but I it's okay. It's okay. I, and I and I want to be, you know, liked. I, I, you know, listen. I think you know, do the right thing with people, and people will respect you and like who you are and want to work with you. And that's way more important. I mean, I don't try to be liked. I right. just think handle yourself in a respectable way with other people and they will like you inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told me i got rocket money Okay, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. 
<laughs> my God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I look at your career and I go, this guy must be must have been studying since he was in grade school. He must have been an actor from 
sixth grade on in high school and college. And then I looked it up and I was like, wait a minute, you studied criminal justice and all this shit. And I was, I was blown away. You weren't even be- going to become an actor. It was kind of by, it was a little luck, wasn't it? I, I, I almost went to one play in high school, but somebody got a new bong and we're like, hey, let's skip the play. <laughs> let's get to the parking lot right now. And then we'll go right to the hockey rink. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a, a, a criminal justice major. I, I you know, I've been asked this before and, and and I literally think I was a criminal justice major because I, I you know, I got into a college because I had one high school counselor. It's like, you know, if you tried a little bit harder, you could probably go to college. And I'm like, come on. And he's like, no, I'm serious. So tried a little bit harder. And then I had to pick a major. And I'm like, and my father suggested, you know, criminal justice is, yeah, okay. Um. No, no reason. You know, kind of like, yeah, that, that might be cool. Maybe FBI or something. And by the time I graduated, I was just like, there's absolutely no reason to do this in my life. I just was not in that head. You don't space. want to be a police officer. You don't want to do anything no, like I, that. I, I took one police exam. I took a federal exam in the federal building in downtown Buffalo. And I think I got about halfway through it. And I thought, oh, this isn't happening. But back it up a couple of years when I was a junior in school, um, I, I went to two years to a school on Long Island called SUNY Farmingdale, which was a two-year school at the time, an ag and tech school. And then it, after I left, it became a four-year. And then I transferred up to another. My dad went to Farmingdale. I Did think. he really? Yeah. <laughs> I think he graduated from Farmingdale. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And my uncle, probably too. Probably the same year as me. Maybe. Because he's, well, he's 70. He's older than you. Yeah. Um, he probably graduated 69, 70, or maybe early 70s. So anyway. Yeah. I, I transferred to SUNY Brockport and I was there about two weeks and an admissions counselor called and said, you're, you're short a fine arts course. And I was like, what's that? And he was like, <laughs> it's, you could take, you know, intro to theater or intro to music or something like that in a lecture room. And I'm like, nah, those classes were all pretty early. And I, by that point I was like, can we get something that's after like noon? And, uh, <laughs> So there was uh, there was an improv class, and I thought, yeah, improv, sure. Wait, they had an improv class back in in seventies in yeah, at it, Farmingdale well, had, SUNY. No, they, it's it's SUNY Brockport. They had a big theater department. Which uh, so I th- I had to take one fine arts course to to graduate. You had to have one, and I thought, improv, sure, yeah, let's let's go improv class. Took the improv class. Teacher's name was Sally Rubin, and she was. She was a hippie, no doubt about it. Right. And true story, it was like maybe a month into the class, and she asked me one day, can you stick around? I want to talk to you after. And I thought, yeah, I hope I didn't well, do anything she wrong. She likes you, maybe. Uh, so I waited after class, and she said, shut the door. She came over, sat down, and she said, listen, um, I really think you should do this. And I was like, What? And she goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I've been doing this for a long time, and I, I, really, you just, you know how to listen, you know how to be in a moment, and uh, I just don't think you can, you can teach that. And I just think about it. And I'm like, I mean, that's like saying to me, you know, you want to go to Mars? And I'm like, <laughs> I said, it was so foreign to you, so completely foreign. And I said, wow. And then I asked her. She said, you should, you know, maybe think about taking more classes because, you know, you have two years left, your junior year and senior year. So I found out there were, you couldn't take the other acting classes unless you were a theater major, 
But she went to the department head and said, I got a guy in my class and uh, I'd like you to meet him and l allow him to take other classes. And so I, I met him, the department chair for the theater department. And he said, okay. And he let me take other theater classes. So all my electives then, I just took these theater classes. Wow. And, and it's not like theater departments are like super welcoming. No. You know, super clicks, clicky. A lot of clicks. Yep. Super clicky. They yep. were not interested in me. No. My hair was, you know, way over my shoulders. I, <laughs> I left class. I went to the gym. I got a 12 pack and it just was not my groove. But I didn't care because I liked the teachers and uh, I liked the experience. If she doesn't call you into her room and say, says something, you know, if she doesn't say something to you about your improv skills or your listening or I think you should take this seriously, you don't do this. Is that right? I don't. I, I, I mean, I look at it as such, it's such a pivotal like turning point, like one of those moments you have in your life. We all have them. And you think, am I? Wow. You know. If if somewhere inside of my head I was entertaining that, you know, that like, boy, wouldn't that be something special? You know, a little confirmation is can make all the difference in the Huge. world. And and I had that with her. And I graduated, took that police exam, finished about half of it, did a regional audition for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I had to drive to Syracuse and do a couple of monologues for somebody there. And, and, uh, and then like last week of August, I got a call and they were like, you know, you're in and that I, quickly you switched gears, everything. You started doing plays. No, I went and, and started studying. Uh, I didn't even, when I got to New York, I, I didn't even audition for the first, I would say maybe Maybe th at least three years. Three years? You just studied? What were you studying? I didn't, I didn't know like what Like Stanislavski? I, no, and... I just wanted to, you know, find a good scene study class. I went to the American Academy for a year, uh, which at the time, if you went for one year, you only went to the second year if you were invited back. I got invited back, but I didn't want to go. Right. Uh, I felt like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, young students that were there came right out of high school. You know, there was just this feeling like everybody was, you know, coming and you know, they were going to finish their scene study class and the limo was going to pull up. And here I am working a full-time job as a security guard. I, I got to use my criminal justice there you major. Go. <laughs> and the New York Hilton on 54th and 6th, I literally had a 40-hour-a-week full-time job. I had no money. 40 hours a week, and I would start that job at 4 o'clock till midnight, and I would go to the American Academy from 9 till 3. And I did that, you know, Monday through Friday. And did you have a passion for it? I mean, did you feel something take you over? Like, I I, I want to do this. I feel this. I'm good at this. I, I, I Is it something that you gravitated I think I, towards? I, I think I might have. I, I certainly had that feeling, or I, I don't think I would have ever got on the right. the bus and landed at Port Authority. Um, Were you nervous? Did, did you have anxiety? Yeah, I mean, did you I deal just, with that I shit felt, back I then? I felt like everybody knew, like everybody knew what I didn't know because I didn't do it in high school and I didn't do plays in college. I took a couple of classes. I felt like, you know, people seemed like they had so much going on and, and everybody kept talking about, then I got in a great scene study class and everybody talked about technique. You know, I was like, can I buy that at the drama bookshop? <laughs> I don't know what the hell technique is, but I got to get me some of that technique. Uh, oh man. So I, I, you know, and I, I think this is a little of the the growing up in Buffalo sensibilities of of not putting the cart before the horse. 
I didn't want to audition before. I felt like I had a, a clue or right. a way. Where a lot of people nowadays, they have no experience and they're auditioning and they're, you well, know. People getting, want to be famous today. They want to be famous. They want to be famous. I wanted to, I, I wanted to be a good actor. I, I still do. You know, I still, I, I want to be, you know, it's, it literally is a, a, a mindset of its own to have that sort of, you know, desire, you know. So you put the work in though. I think so. When you were there, you really just sort of dove in and did whatever you could because you, people thought you were good, at least this one teacher. Were your your colleagues thinking the same thing? Like they want to be around you? Were they like, you're talented? You're... Did you feel that? I had, a, I had a similar teacher when I got to the American Academy. Um, I had a teacher there that said, you know, I walked with him after class one day and he said, you're in it. And I didn't know wow. what he meant. And then I got into a scene study class when I didn't go back. Uh, and it was not the scene study class I was trying to get in, but the guy I was trying to get in had, a, had an overfill because he had like a two-year waiting list. And he put me in a former student named Peter Thompson. He put me in Peter's class. And then eventually I got off the waiting list and went to like, you know, the class. And I was there about two weeks and I'm like, I got to get out of here. People are talking to shrubbery, you know, <laughs> making connections. I'm like, I got to get back to Peter. But I remember being in, in, in that and, you know, all of these things that we're talking about and you know this, just because, just because, you know, you may have talent or something like that doesn't mean that you're going to work or doesn't mean that, it, you know, your life is going to turn out the way yeah. it does. But I remember being in that scene study class with Peter, and maybe this is three or four years after I got to New York, so maybe I'm mid twenties now. Right. And I remember looking around at the, the and and going into that class for the first time, and there were people that I saw that had small parts in films, and I was like, "Oh my God, I saw that guy in this thing!" Even though it was like a one scene part, but to me it was like it was everything. I can't believe, oh my God, that's the greatest thing ever. But after about a year in Peter's class. Out of the 20 kids that were in that class, I could tell you the four or five that were in it, they were all good. But I could tell you the four or five that were in it. And I knew I was one of the ones that was in it. There was a difference. Um, it was just- What was the difference? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I If I knew the answer to that, we'd write a book together. And right, right. Dollars. It's just something. It's a combination it's just, of presence. It's, it's, it's something. A combination but of... even with that, you know, is there any guarantee? You know, I was. No. I felt a little. Always felt behind the eight ball. Always felt like I was catching up and figuring things out because I didn't do it when I was younger. Everything felt so new. And make no mistake, even though I was in New York, uh, I wanted to. I wanted to work in a movie one day. I really wanted to. So work. you didn't really want to do plays as much as you wanted to do yeah, movies. I, mean, I, I, I did. I wanted. I wanted to learn. I was, you know, theater was terrifying. But terrifying. I, sure, you know, I wanted to do that. I wanted to, you know, I worked on a soap for a couple of years. And yeah, what soap was that? As the world turns. How did that come about? Uh, How old are you? Take me back there. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Uh, I got a. I went to a reading, which is what you do in New York, you know. It's 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 the difference of why I say to when a, a young actor, 
oh, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, should I go to LA, go to New York? I tell them, I'll go to New York. Get a, maybe it's different now, but back then, get a sense of, get a sense and a way of how to work, uh, which I don't think is really part of television. Um, you know, you walk in, you audition, you put something on tape, they hire you for what you put. They want you to come in and do what you put on tape. Right. You know, it's not an exploration like, you know, rehearsing a play or, or the rare time that you rehearse a film. Um, that's only happened a couple few times in my entire life where somebody like rehearses a movie right. um, before the day you're actually shooting it. Uh, but uh, so I, you know, did a reading, uh, you know, because that's what young actors, you know, you re meet a young playwright. Hey, I'm going to do a reading of a, a play. Yeah, we all do it. We're just gathering for nothing. And a casting director was there from As the World Turns from CBS. And he said, yeah, you should come in and audition for this. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. It was like soap. Am I really going to, yeah, is that where I'm going? I'm trying so hard. And I'm yet, you know, it seems like everybody that I knew was getting a, a small part in a film in that. So now I'm like 27, 28. I still didn't get a role in a film. Got hired a couple of times where they, they wrote the part out. For real. One of them was the film Malcolm X. It was a part of a cop. Like literally the day before I was going to shoot it. I couldn't believe it. I was they like, wrote you out. They, they called me the day before. They go, we got to pay you because, you know, it's screen actor skill. But it, they cut the part. Was it heartbreaking? Did you oh, put, the, you put the work in? You memorized the lines? I was ready to go. Um, so I, I, I went in and I, I auditioned for something for As the World Turns. And it eventually worked out for this dad role of this young lead woman that was on the show and i was like i'm a little young and we got really good chemistry together is this weird um but they kept calling me back and i and i went and uh i ended up getting it god i haven't thought of this in a long time the day that they offered me the role on as the world turns which was you know for somebody doing theater or guest spots in television in new york it was money like you'd never see and you're not going to get in theater and they offered me a, a three-year thing on it on on as the world turns and i got a play on the same day the fifth lanford wilson's the fifth of july at Portland. burn this no uh the fifth of july uh, fifth of july uh it, it, it in the portland theater uh the rep company up in portland maine and i gotta tell you it was that was a tough call I really didn't know where to go with it because I wanted to get things like working in regional theaters, and I was, and I was like, I, I got to take, take this. I got as the world turns. I got to take it. Good money. I was on it six months. I went to the the head producer on it, a gentleman named Bob Calhoun. Uh, he's since passed away. He's a lovely guy, and I went to him and I said, uh, "This has been really great." We all called him Cal. I was like, Cal, can't thank you enough, man. It's just been so wonderful. But uh, uh, I'm good. I, I'm good. It's really, and he's like, well, You've got a contract. I'm glad. <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm glad you're good. What are you saying, Bill? And I've said, Well, you know, just, I'm good. It's, I, it's, it's time for me to go. And uh, boy, did he lay into me for the next like five minutes. You got a contract. You got, and I was like, Whoa, I'm you know, a little lesson learned. And I said, I'm really sorry, Cal. Whatever is the proper, correct, polite way to go, if you can work it out to write me off, 
could you please? And a year later, the casting director came and said, so now I'm on a year and a half. Came a year and a half later and goes, you still want to go? And I'm like, yes. He goes, six months from now, you're marrying your cousin. You're off the show. <laughs> it's literally what happened. Are you serious? Yeah. Six months later was the wedding and, and they wrote me off. Do you remember the first time you saw yourself on As the World Turns? You know. Because you, you hadn't done any kind of movies or anything like that. I still don't like watching. Myself. You still don't like, you've never liked watching yourself. No. Why? Uh, I'm, I'm too hypercritical. Uh, I, I, it's harder to watch television because, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially if you're in a series or something, a lot of times you shoot it and it's on the air like two, three, four weeks later. I, I remember every day. I remember every take. And I, you know, I'll glance at it. I'm like, I don't know why they use that take. Really? Well, you missed the whole moment. I mean, you remember everything. I remember everything. What the heck did you do that for? And so then I get critical about uh, about what I do, and I'm a little bit too judgmental. Uh, it's different with a film. A lot of times, a film, you know, you might catch a little piece of it and doing some ADR, uh, but you may not see the whole thing for a year, and it's a nice amount of distance. Um, to, so you kind of can separate yourself from it. I think so, but you know, some things I remember. Um, what I've learned is that usually by the time if you see a premiere or something or you, you got to you do a cast and crew thing, by the third time you see it, you know, I, I may watch myself and go, nah, it's not bad, you know. <laughs> um, but I still, I, you know, I'm, I'm, and I mean this, I, I, I'm truly not a person that has, that has, that sits down and just like, oh man, I, I'm good. Damn. <laughs> I'm fucking good. Obviously, I was blessed. Um, you know, just, it's not. You've never been that person. I don't think you, so. You uh, is there is there a performance you look back and you go? I'm sure there's a couple of them that you go. You know, I liked watching myself. I was I I liked what I did. I look back and I go, wow. Like maybe Contact or some movie or whatever it was. Is, is there some project that you go that was good? I remember liking myself in that Contact. Contact. Besides that, um. I remember the first time that I, there's one movie I watched the first time I watched it, I literally got in an argument with my agent. Cause I was just like, why would you think of me for that? I was so, I, I thought I was so horrible. And then by the fourth time, because it went to Sundance and it premiered at Sundance and then there was a cast and crew and then there was a premiere in LA. So I happened to see it like three times in a matter of like a month. And then I I look back and I think it's probably maybe one of my favorite things. What was it? Go. Really? Yeah. 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 And I now I watch Go and I, if if I'm flipping around every once in a while it's on. I I can watch Go and I'm like yeah you did all right, Bill. Um, <laughs> hey, that's good. Yeah. It's a well you know listen to fast forward a little bit so I make you know five years ago we shot it uh, this little film that I made called Cold Brook. All right, you directed, wrote it, it, directed wrote it, it, produced right. it, play the lead in it with Kim Coates. Yeah, and um, so here we go. You know, three weeks after we wrapped, and I'm back working on Mom, and I let the editor put it all together, and then I was then I spent every afternoon with him for the next three months, every afternoon working on, and I found out in the first couple of days, I found out literally on day two of editing. 
because we went in there and I, and I said, oh, I remember this take and I remember that take and I remember this take and let's, let's put that together. And then I went and got us lunch and I came back and he showed me what he put together and I sat there for about five minutes. I'm like, play it again. And he played it and this was the conversation that I had with Kieran, the editor. I said, okay, I, I'm getting what I'm doing right now. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna screw this movie up because I'm gonna cut myself out of it because I don't like watching myself. So this is what we need to do. Cause right now what I'm watching is not a third as good as what your rough cut was. So we're gonna pick the things that we're gonna work on the next day. And at the end of the day, we'll talk about the scene or two or whatever we're gonna go into tomorrow. And you're gonna get here a couple hours before me and then I'm going to work on with what you did because I can't cut myself out of the movie. I'm, I'm the lead in the film, and I'm going to. So you pick the best things of me that you can come well, up. Well, I mean, it just uh, whatever, or, right? Whatever works in your mind. Whatever it was, I found myself. Well, don't go to me. Go, go over there. Go over this way, and and. But that doesn't always work. It's it, like it wasn't working, it wasn't and work. I got it. Like on day two, I'm like, don't screw your movie up, Bill. Wow. So I had to, I had to get over it. Watch myself. Is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what about your uh, your folks growing up, when you, or when you're doing theater? They got to see you do a lot of theater and or movies and all this stuff, right? They've seen your career. Yeah. Did what did they think when you said you wanted to go into acting? I I remember when I told my mother, and she was like, "Oh, well, um, okay, let's uh, uh let's get the we'll pack up some sheets and, and towels and things." I told my father, who I didn't grow up with, my father, and. I, you know, I, it was like I was speaking Swahili. I think he just looked at me like, what? Got to remember, you know, we're talking back in the 70s. Yeah. You know, back in the 70s, I was in high school, 70 to 74. Nobody knew an actor. No. You know, outside of a kid that did plays in high school, but did, nobody knew an actor. Who knew a real, a real like professional actor? You didn't know anybody in Chicktawaga, New York. Um <laughs> So it was just, you know, it was so out of the blue to even take that sort of like leap. Um, but uh, especially when the first thing you thought was you're going to go into criminal justice, you're studying this stuff, and now you're like, no, I'm going to be an actor. Yeah, it was, it, it was, you know, I mean, I even remember with friends back then, you know, friends that were really close to me. I mean, all of them looked at me like, you're going to what? Um, I remember friends visiting me in my tiny one bedroom apartment on the lower east side going like you live in this thing because they remember that they came yeah. down with their company car for the weekend and i was like and i remember thinking yeah i live in this thing i love this little little box that i live <laughs> in man i have the best times of my life sitting up here figuring out how to make a scene work um i have fond memories of those that as hard as it was right but you know uh yeah, it's a heck of a journey. I don't. I don't look at you as someone who gets intimidated. But do, was there a time in your life where, you know, working with these big actors, having to step up, having to prove yourself? Did you get nervous? Did you get anxiety? Did you get intimidated by anybody? I got to be honest with you, and I, and I, and I really mean this. Uh, you know, you talk about people have asked me over the time, and I'm a character guy. I, you know, I. I play specific things in, in movies. I try to fully realize that piece of the puzzle. But when you work with, with 
the movie stars that I've worked with over time, um, they're really good actors. And that's all they want to do. And there's a reason why they're big movie stars is because they're really good actors. Right. Most of them. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't, I can't honestly remember that I ever felt like really overwhelmed in that sort of a thing. Back it up for a second now too. So I moved to New York when I'm 21, when I started the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And as I said, all I really want to do, sure, I want to learn theater. I want to work in television and I did in that, but I want to, I want to work in film. I was 36 when I got my first job in a film. 36. 36 years old? I'm 15 years wondering, is it ever going to come my way? So by the time it came around, in two years on As the World Turns, being in front of that camera four days out of the week, you know, I could have swore the first six months I was on As the World Turns that the boom was picking up my heartbeat, you know, because <laughs> I, oh, I was just terrified, uh, you know, trying to be smooth and just, oh, 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 oh this is like horrible. <laughs> but after two years of playing Josh, the misunderstood farmhand, you know, I mean, I really like settled down um, in a good way. Right. And not in a way that was like, I got comfortable, but I got okay about being, letting the camera be in front of me. And now, you know, you know, and then it wasn't, you know, long after that, when I got a few bigger films and all of a sudden it's a crew of 200 people and, and the camera's right up in front of your face. And, and I, I, to this day say it's, it's like, it's my peaceful zone. I don't mind. Get 250 people on a set, shove that camera right in my face, and I, it's just... You love it. I, it's just, it's its an easy place because I'm i am thinking about, you know, my body's in the motion of what I'm what I'm doing there and what I'm trying to do with a, with a, with a role or a character or something. And it's, it's all about that. And I don't worry about the rest of it. You, you just know? don't worry about the rest of it. That's crazy because I, I talked to a lot of actors before and... You know, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, you're working with De Niro or something. You're like, oh, shit, I'm working with De Niro. And it gets in your head. But you, you, what was your first big movie where you're working with a lot of big stars? Um, Contact. Contact. You're working with Jodie Foster. Working with Jodie. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Who started, he was beginning the rise of his career, right? Yes. And and not at all. You weren't nervous working with Jodie Foster. It just didn't it just didn't occur to you. You were there to do a part. That was what you did. Well, the interesting thing about Contact was that I, one of my favorite movies, first film, mine too, yeah. one, and and not dated. No, it works at all. The whole my, thing with the father at the end still makes oh, me cry. Come on, it did. They download her and give uh. her the image of something so they can talk to her, and it's in the image of her dad. I mean, that's just like unbelievable incredible yeah. first film i did was the underneath this little indie film with steven soderbergh um you like, that? Uh, you like that you hear that yeah I that's do. my cuckoo clock i should have turned it off yeah i like it but go ahead um, soderbergh uh i worked on this film called virtuosity uh where where i learned that uh uh they cut 80 percent of what i did in the film it was denzel and russell crowe and uh they cut 80% of what I did out of the movie. And it was really great because it was my second film and I learned right then and there. Then the next thing that I got was heat. And yeah. I remember my agent calling and saying, this is a big 
Pacino De Niro film. It's it's a small role of uh, of a role called Van Zant, and I read it and I said I'm in. He goes, it's not big, and I said no, but it's five scenes and you can't cut them out of the movie, because I learned what virtuosity. I was it was you in, know what what has to be in the movie to tell the story. I was in it was inconsequential to the story. The part that I played in virtuosity. Yeah, heat very consequential, and I still to this day can read something and go. You don't need that role in the film. Um, and it sometimes can make a decision whether, you know, to go with it or not. Um, but uh, then I did this thing called Albino Alligator. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey directed. directed it. Yeah. Faye Dunaway and Matt Dillon yeah. and Gary Sinise. So I played a couple of tougher guys. And then I remember at the time back then and thinking, I want to. I got to. I want to switch it up. I want to. I want to do something else. And I didn't work for eight or nine months. And then I was living in New York, and my agent said, "Listen, there's this really cool film with Jodie Foster and it called Contact, but they're not letting the script out. So if you want to read it, there's a part of this astrophysicist, you know, who is blind. And if you right. want to, if you want to read it, you have to do it at the." casting director's office wow. on Melrose. So People's Express was happening at the time. I got a ticket and I came out, read it in the office, put myself, you know, w went on tape, got on a plane, went back to New York. I was back like a day or two. And then Robert Zemeckis saw it. And then they flew me back to meet on it. And it was me and a few other people. And, uh, and, and it was like a month later and I ended up getting it. And that was, a that was, huge thing and huge because it really shifted gears for me yeah it just changed everybody's perception of you well i mean that and it, and it was and it changed you know quite honestly it changed the way that i worked on things because a lot of times you know you know supporting guys and and, and films and and a lot of times those are the last parts to get cast and you start working like a week or two and and i got cast in contact and they shot the whole washington dc thing part of it first so i didn't start work on a five and a half month shoot until they were like you know it was a month away from shooting when i got hired and then it was a month and a half of things that i was not in so i had two and a half months of playing a character like that as soon as i found out i got it i was like oh i'm so happy that i have this sort of time to prepare and i and i literally lived on the Upper West Side at the time. And sometimes I would cut across 65th Street between Central Park West and Columbus. And I used to pass by the Jewish Guild for the Blind all the time. I, as soon as I found out I got it, I, I, I walked right down the street, walked right in the front door. And there was a guy named Rich Paddock. And, and he was in charge of volunteer services. And, and I said, could I please see this gentleman? And I sat down with him. And I explained the entire thing to him. I said, I got this role in this movie. I, I, I just want to be around. I want to get this right. And he just listened to me for five minutes going, what can I do? What can I help with? Anything. Just, I just, and he was like, cool. And he started to talk to me, gave me some books, talked to me about other things. He turned me on to some people to go to and work with, with, you know, with dogs. This is before, I don't even know if I'm going to have a dog in the film. You know, I just anything that I could do changed the way that I approached things from that day forward because that two and a half months was f as fulfilling to me as, as shooting the film. 
And after that, I'm like, I, I've turned things down over time where they came in and they're like, um, they start in a week and I'm like, I'll never get it together. I, I, I'll I never, can't put this together that fast. I, I just can't. I won't. So you were very lucky. It was fortunate that you had the time to really. I had to prepare for it. Yeah. Did you ever film yourself being blind before you actually played the blind part? No. Never. All I did was. <laughs> did Zemeckis ever say, Bill, you don't look blind. No, Can hold you try on. that again? No, I, got a, I do have a story about that. <laughs> I want to hear it. I would sit in my little tiny railroad flat on 80th in Amsterdam. And once a day for about an hour, I would I got these things like, you know, people sleep with, you get on an airplane. Yeah. And I would cover up my eyes, just total blackness. I'd sit on the couch. And I would just sit for an hour. You hear things. You know, people say, you know, blind people, you know, they have their senses are better. Well, they're a little more keen. They're heightened, right? They're heightened. Right. Um I found over the next like you know, a couple of months of doing that, that uh, uh, I found that I could make my way around the apartment a little bit. I found that I was much keener to what I heard. I, 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 I found that it was at times really lonely. Um, and I wondered about that, you know, especially the guy that I played that was based on a real guy that had his sight and then lost it. And what's that like? And, and, not having it and and does that change things and how people feel about you and what you I mean my mind started to run the gamut and then yeah. and then the guy goes on to be like a world renowned astrophysicist and what kind of commitment is is that and what kind of confidence then to go through that and end up at this place in your life and how special is that and what does a woman think of you and and to everything that you can imagine. I mean, I went through all of that stuff. And then here I am with my buddy, Rich Paddock from the Jewish Guild for the Blind. And he hooks me up with people with dogs. And then he's teaching me cane technique, which in my man cave, I still have my original cane that he gave really? me. Really? Yeah. Um, and, you know, he used to follow me around. He used to walk around the block in Manhattan. And then he would just, I, he would just follow me and he'd tell me things, you know? And uh, so I did that, whether I was ever going to use it or not. And I, just had this massive preparation. So we get out there. And then the other thing that I did was I was hoping that I would do this without glasses on, like sunglasses. And um, so I, I started doing this thing where I practiced, you know, focusing on something six feet away, just focusing on that box right there in front of me and just focusing on it. And then, and then whether whatever came in front of my eyes, it wouldn't make a difference because I was just focusing on that. And then you, I wouldn't blink or anything. And I wanted to so do it. a little it. trick. Well, I was just, I was finding a way of like not being affected uh, of having my eyes blink or something. Right, right. So we go in this rehearsal process. And like we were saying earlier, I was saying, you know, there are very few films that rehearse. Robert Zemeckis rehearsed this for a whole Monday through a Friday before we started shooting. Read through the script every day with everybody. And... Um, going through that whole thing. And uh, it was like the day before we started photography and he introduced me to uh, uh, Gary and Millicent. She was blind. He was sighted. They were married and they were hired as my tech advisors. 
like the day before that we started. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a young actor, really happy to have this opportunity. How old are you? Uh, probably 39, 40. And, but new in the world of working on film. Right. And, uh, and he introduced him to me as, you know, to be, to help me with, you know, everything blind. Right. And I just remember saying, you know, wow, thank you. And, uh, looking at Gary and Millicent who were lovely and, but all I'm thinking of is, did you really think that was going to sh show up and not have anything like semi-prepared, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and Gary and Millicent and they had a dog with them and, and they had a dog for me there and, you know, they had canes to work with me and everything. And I mean, after like 15 minutes, they were like, you got this, you're, you're way ahead. Yeah, you're like, yeah, go do your thing, and and they were and they were lovely, and they were around the entire time, and there were times where I might have a question. Did Zemeckis uh, ever give you notes, or did you really have not many? He just kind of was like, you're, you're doing what you should be doing. This gets back to like going into my first like class when I was younger, uh, because I never felt my first like scene study class because I never felt like I really had the lingo. Right. I never felt like I could really hang with anybody and. And, and and talk about you know well let me tell you about my subtext i'm like i, I never <laughs> that scene study class you did a scene three times maybe you did it twice or maybe you just did it once because if you really knocked the scene out of the park peter thompson the teacher would just go that was great man you really realized it move on i used to do everything that i could so we could bring a scene in there and just do it once because I didn't want to get up there and like get into detail and talk about like all the tech lingo. So I would try so hard. And I think I carried that through in my entire life about working on something. Listen, if a director has something awesome to say to me, say it. I can't wait. Man, take me someplace I don't know. But I'm never going to show up on a set like, you know, hey, what do you think I should do with this? I'm always going to have a road that I'm on. You want to put me on a better road? You want to make this road go further? Please do. Um, wow. But I don't wait around for it. You do the work. Oh, always. Always do the work. And if they've, they want to take you a little bit further, oh, I love that. Or a lot of times they're just like, yeah, do your thing. Um, so did he have a, a ton to say to me? No. And that's a, that was that was great, you know? I did, I think I bugged him one day when when he had the dog sitting under the desk and and the uh, set dressing came out and had a big fluffy bed for the dog and it, the dog was on the bed and i was like excuse me um robert the dog can't be on the bed right now and he's got a million things on his mind and he's like why and i said because the dog's working right now and a working dog does not sit on a bed the dog will sit on the bed when he gets home but it's a working dog he's with me right now he's working with me and he doesn't sit on a bed he just sits next to me I think it bugged him. <laughs> he, just, he just looked at me like, all right, get rid of the thing then. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, this is called, uh, this is awesome. I, and love, I love And I loved working with him. He seems like somebody great just, to work with. Have you worked with a lot of shitty directors or directors that you just like, oh, I, I don't want to ever work with that guy again? No name, you don't have to name him, obviously. Uh, you know, I'd be real hard pressed to find 
somebody to put on that list right off the top of my head. I really mean that. You've enjoyed most of the people you've worked with. For sure. But I'm a guy that enjoys... I, Even I, Michael Bay. I enjoy the job. I, I love working with Michael. He's, you know... No, he's, I know. I just say that jokingly. Because, no, but you know, he you is, hear things. He's, you know, he's intense. He's intense. He's intense. And you don't mind that. I, I, see, Michael's Michael. He's... Listen, we finished Armageddon and, and you know, like a year later, he's like, I got three cameos in, in Pearl Harbor. Come on, Fick, you got to play one of them. Just just play one of them. And I and I read the three cameos and I'm like, I'll play that one. He's like, yeah, yeah, thanks, mate, thanks. We don't have any money, by the way. I'm like, never have money. any money. <laughs> Jesus. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is, uh, these are, uh, I have these patrons. Um, they support the podcast in other ways. They just help out the podcast. So it's called Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash inside of you. These are from the top tier patrons who have some questions. It's rapid fire. Sure. You can a- answer them as quickly or as slowly as you want. Uh, Zach Pappas. Zach says, favorite memory of prison break, which we didn't really get to talk about. Favorite you, played me- a, you played a real asshole in that. You know why you got to go there, babe? I'm sorry. I mean, you were you were tough. Misunderstood. 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 I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were um, going to say that. Favorite memory? Uh, first two scenes of the first season that I was in because I came, I was not in season one. But then I remember when I got when I got offered the job, I'm like, wait a minute, it's I just they just broke out of prison after. Why is it called Prison Break? <laughs> what are we going to do? And it was like, it's an FBI agent. First, first two scenes when I got to Dallas, um, just I remembered the character and thinking, why is this guy popping pills? He's the FBI agent and he's just got a whole other rhythm going on. And I remember the beginnings of that and thinking, this, I like this. I like this a lot. You like playing the character. I did. I, I did. Yeah. And, and it was very separate from all the guys that were the prison break guys from the year before right. and that. And I was I was fine with that. I was just walking on my own road. Uh, Carly Shibby says, oh, hell yes. I love this guy. There's a lot of that. A lot of that. A lot of people were like, oh, my God, you got this guy? I love this guy. Uh, question, how is it working on Armageddon? Did you get any real space flight education? Armageddon... Um, I remember, first of all, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer film, so you're going to get the best of everything. And you're you're going to get DOD approval. I mean, Jerry's made Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Black Hawk Down. Um, it's, you know, you're going to get the best that there is. I remember being in Cape Canaveral where we're shooting the scenes where we're actually getting in the shuttle. The shuttle, the, the real shuttle is on the launch pad, one of them. And here we are, 280 feet up in the air at the gantry. It's like the plank that you walk across to step in. And they're shooting this stuff. And I'm like, this is just around when cell phones are starting to break, you know? And I'm up there. And I remember looking at our second second. And I'm like, dude, you got to lend me your cell phone. Lend me your cell phone right now, right now. I get his cell phone. And I like, I dialed the number. And my mother picked up. And I'm like, mom, 
you can't believe where I am right now. It's like, it's like I'm on CNN and it's about wow. to take off. I can't believe it. it's a beautiful, crystal clear day. I'm looking at the waves rolling in and I'm, my hand is on the shuttle. I'm on the shuttle right now. That's working on a Jerry film. And we had a lot of that stuff, you know, working at Houston <sighs> Mission Control. It was at, up at Edwards Air Force Base. Incredibly impressive. Uh, Carly also says, I remember the first time I watched him on TV, a show called Grace Under Fire, played a guy named Sparky. Such a damn good show. Uh, Leanne, any fond memories of working with Rosie? That's me on the movie The Neighbor. <laughs> we had fun. It was a little independent movie. It was, that was, you know, listen, that was, you know, five pounds of bologna in a two pound bag. Yeah. And, and to get that, to do that in the time frame. Oh, did. yeah. We did it fast. And I remember um, Aaron, the director, said, you, you got to meet with Bill before I, I cast you. He's got to, you know, he's got to approve you. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh, shit. So we met at this little coffee place. And then afterwards, Aaron called me and goes, okay, he approved you. I'm like, oh, good God. I, I, you know, listen, no offense. I just wanted, I'm like. Make sure this guy can do it. Who Who's in this whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're the lead guy. You want to know. Yeah. And I ultimately, do you ever see the poster of what they finally came out with that film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like me, like leering out the window, like it's like it's a, you know, like like I have a knife in my hand. I was like, oh, talk about marketing missing the boat on what the movie was about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what can you do? Not the first. Uh, let's see, Lisa Hall. What was it like working on the remake of The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler? You have any funny Adam Sandler stories? Adam's got a whole beautiful group that he works with, and it's all in his world and his guys and, and and wonderful people i kind of was a little unsure of the whole journey um until the day that's you know because i just you know i just trying to do something with the character and i think everybody wanted it to be a little more middle of the road and right. and i got that and that's you know that's their choice their movie and the whole thing the best day that I had on, on all of the longest shirt, and I had a lot of good days. Come on, I'm playing a football player. I'm a football fan. It was just a lot of fun. Right. I did walk up when when the camera was rolling and you had these like 300-pound guys in front of you. You know, when when the stunt quarterback was not in, going literally walking down the line to like Romanowski and Goldberg and going, hey, hey. Screen Actors Guild, S-A-G, not NFL. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the game now. Um, but my son, Sam, who was like 11 at the time, came to, uh, my wife, Kimmy, brought him to Santa Fe where we were shooting the prison stuff. And Sam was with me and just kind of, you know, looking around at the enormity of it. And a golf cart pulled up. Adam was in the golf cart. He was by himself. Slammed on the brakes. He was like, because we were talking about it. I said, my son Sam's going to come visit. Slammed on the brakes. He was like, you Sam? Sam's like, yeah. He goes, come on. We got stuff to do. Put him on a golf cart. Took off. I what? saw Sam about 45 minutes later. He just took him everywhere. Took him on in Video Village. Showed him one. I took him on the set. He's the sweetest him. guy in the world. He brought him back. And I was like, I love you, Adam Sandler. You know? Who doesn't? I Just love that guy. for that moment yeah, right there. Yeah, what a great moment yeah, for Sam. I mean, come on. Sue Byrne says, what is your proudest moment in your personal life and your career? Well, absolutely marrying Kimmy. Um, yeah. You've been married, what, 24 years? 
I thought you said. I thought you were going to say you've been married twenty four times. No, he's like <laughs> twenty four times. Twenty four times. I mean, make up your mind, would you? <laughs> no, but um, twenty four years, right? Twenty four this summer. Um, yeah. Uh, though I met Kimmy uh, years before I married her, like twelve years before, and I knew her just for a few months, and then I didn't. I didn't see her for ten years, and circumstances. I, I refound her. So I was really grateful about that, you know, you can't really go back in life. You know, we all know that circumstance. Sometimes when you miss something, you try to go back, but you can go back if you never really had it in the first place. And I'd met this girl and she was so beautiful and then life went on and I, and I was married for seven years and it didn't work out. And then I found a way to find my way back to her. And I'm so grateful that I, that it worked out and that I refound that woman. And, uh, so personal life, that's right up there, along with, you know, having my two maniac children. Yeah. And um, and work-wise, uh, I just, to have made, to, to have made Cold Brook and, and wore every hat imaginable and like literally flew by the seat of my pants. I just, I, to put that all together, I was just- uh, You want to do it again? I, I, I'm in the throes of it right now. And- uh, yeah, listen, you know, any independent film you're going to make, you need about eight miracles. I've got like four so far. I need a few more. And I, th I think they're all coming together. And in a perfect world, maybe I shoot it this summer. We'll see. This is something I agree with. Big Stevie W says, no questions. Just a thanks for being one of my favorite actors since Go. Don't think I've ever seen him not give a great performance. No, that's cool. Thank you. I, I don't think, I think that's, <laughs> you know, when you talk about like, committing like you just do you do the work that just it speaks volumes i mean you do the work you get when you're on set you're ready to go i think a lot of people sort of kind of you know let me be directed let me kind of figure it out while i'm on my feet and I'll, I'll you know they don't know their lines exactly you seem like someone that knows your lines inside out when you get on set yes i mean yes and then you know and then there's that other part of me that's like you know and that's the experience thing that we we both deal with, which is you want to know it, but you don't want to know it like you really know it. You know, you want you want a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, uh, I mean, who knows? You know, we, we 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 try to just find that sweet spot, um, right. that sweet spot in our life to be alive. You know what I used to call it when I first moved to New York and started acting? I remember that I used to call it breaking out, which is when you had the lines and then you had an idea about something or a rhythm about something. Cause you know what it's like. If you could tap a rhythm of a character, there's, there's 52 things that you could get specific about, but you don't need to know all 52 if you find the rhythm. Right. Because then, then you just go. Right. And I think that's ultimately what we all look for. And I, I never stopped striving for that, finding a rhythm. Yeah. And you don't always feel it, but you try to get close to it. You, you call yourself a leading man, but I, 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 I oh, see you character as- Character man. I'm sorry, character. I, but I see you as leading man. That's what I was going to say. I, I do. I see you as- I mean, you've done so many great characters, but there's no reason why you shouldn't be the lead in movies. There's no reason why you shouldn't be the, the love interest or the whatever. Do you Do you- you need to when this is over. You need to start calling the studios. <laughs> I mean, do you? What do you? What do you? Where do you see yourself, though? Honestly, you're 65 years old. You'll be 66 this November. You feel great. You're swimming. You got a great family. You want to direct again. What else is there for you? 
do you ever think you'll retire? Do you think you'll be, you know, once I hit 70, I'm done acting? Or are you going to go right to the end? Listen, I, 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 I had one of the best times that I ever had this past fall. I worked with Robert Rodriguez for two months in Austin on his new film called Hypnotic. And I have to tell you, and, and I'm just, I have to shout out for this guy. He, after that two months, he, he instantly went in like top three all-time favorite. Right with wow. Rid, right with Ridley Scott, who I always put at, at the top of my list. But put Robert right in there. He was such a joy to work with. Now there's a guy, talk about like, there's a guy that has such a style and he's such an earthy, wonderful person. I never experienced anything like going on set with him because when Robert would tell me something, I really wanted to hear exactly what, because I really wanted to fall into the world of how he makes movies. I, I just literally, not that I didn't prepare things, but just everything he told me, I'm like, I want to do that. Exactly what you just said. I want to try to get that. Um, so I came back from that. Let's say I finished on a Friday, flew back on a Saturday. You know, people would ask me, friends, you're going to chill out? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to chill out tomorrow. And then I want to start something on Monday. I mean, that's the way I am about everything. You know, I, a few things have come my way. They weren't the right things, but it was like four months ago. Four months for me, I, I'm going a little nuts. I, I you know, I want to be engaged all the time. Yeah. There's going to be a time when I'm like, you know, I want to go fishing and that day's not yet. Um, I want to work all the time. I want to do things. Do I ever think that I, do I think I'll ever stop, you know, having the desire to work? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt you love it that much. I just, it's just, it's what I do. And, you know, and, and as we get older, you, 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 you know, hopefully you're, you're better. And I just have a real desire to, to, uh, be the best that I can be. I love it. Do you ever, have you thought of, uh, ever calling the hippie, uh, teacher? Is she still alive? So I don't know if she is, but so I graduated SUNY Brockport in 78, and I would say probably like late 80s because I had a, well, I always had a car. Even when I had no money in New York, I always had a junker. I had I had to have a car to go to the Catskills on the weekend, to go hiking or jump in some stream, always. But I remember driving home probably late 20s, early 30s maybe, and I stopped at a, a a New York state rest area, you know, along the New York state Thruway, And I walked in and there she was. What? Sally Rubin. There she was. And I walked up to her and I sat with her for a few minutes and we had a cup of coffee and I told her where I was and what I was doing. And I, it started to work and everything. And it was really lovely. And I'm sure we traded numbers and life goes on. And, but I did see her one more time after wow. we left after we left school that's that's i don't know why that makes me a little emotional that's kind of cool that's just you know so cool it's a, a cool thing that just on an unexpected moment unexpected moment don't yeah long time ago i love it uh this has been awesome i i love talking to you i i learned a lot about you that i didn't know about that we didn't get to talk about on the set which we didn't talk about i mean we didn't talk about stuff that i mean i went to your house i hung out with your family yeah and now you have a new house up in where? Up in Truckee. You got to invite me sometime. You got to have a big party, have Absolutely. a big bash. It's so beautiful up there. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like my college age boy was like, you know, 
this place is awesome, man. I can't wait to go with the guys. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not going with the guys. Oh, God. Bill, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you. What a joy, man. Pleasure to talk today. Great to see you. Great seeing you. I just love the stories. I love the stories about the acting class. I love the stories about how he got into acting, how, uh, you know, working with great people, um, his nerves and how he, you know, the confidence that he gets and how he does it, just his process. And Yeah. Um, yeah, like when you talk to the seasoned vets, it really gives you some perspective on things. Yeah. Because everybody's path was different. Everybody's path is different. Yeah. And uh, he definitely gives you some perspective. Thanks, Bill. I really appreciated uh, our conversation. I hope to see you soon. Um, again, join Patreon. Uh, support the podcast, patreon.com slash inside of you. Go to the Inside of You online store if you want any merch. I'm on Cameo, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, go to sunspin.com if you want to get a, a Zoom from the band or you want to support the band or get band merch. Uh, I think I've said it all. I'll be in Metropolis, Illinois, June 12th weekend with Tom Welling, um, doing Smallville Nights and signing autographs. I hope you guys join um there's a lot of um craziness going on in the world like like always there's always something that just kind of is devastating you know and we didn't talk about it but uh, all the lives that were lost mm -hmm. just uh you know it kills you it kills mm -hmm. you and there's you feel helpless and you're like you know what do we do well there's things you can do there's places you can donate there's petitions you can sign there's things that you know we have to keep doing something Mm -hmm. because doing nothing isn't working. Mm -mm. Um, we've got to change some minds of some people in the upper, you know, Senate, mm -hmm. if you will. We've got to change some minds and the direction of the country and where we're going. It just amazes me how, I don't want to get political, but I'm just saying how Australia banned the use of certain guns and they haven't had any massive shootings since. Every time this happens, like they send, this is, we they talk send, about they send the facts about like what the other countries did. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, want want this to stop. Shouldn't it be a priority? It's, it's children we're talking about here. It's human life, and I don't know. It just, it's devastating. So, look, be good to yourself, be good to others, and uh, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I appreciate you. Uh, join us next week. We'll have another great guest, and spread the word. Spread the word on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Do we do the handles? Yeah, they're at Inside of Pod on Twitter, at Inside of Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. And that's correct. So. Write a review, too. It really helps when you guys write a review about what you thought about the podcast. It enormously helps. It get us, gets us up in the rankings. It gets people kind of uh, more awareness to us. So that really helps. And that's about all I have to say about that. So let's get into the uh, top tier patrons. Let's do it. Here we go. Nancy. D. Leah. S. Sarah. F. S. Sarah. V. Yeah, that's correct. Little. Lisa. You. Kiko. Jill. E. Brian. H. Nico. P. Robert. Uh, B. Jason. W. Kristen. K. Raj. C. Joshua. D. CJ. P. Jennifer. N. Stacy. L. Jamal. F. Janelle. B. Kimberly. E. Mike. E. Eldon. Supremo. 99. Morse. R. Mira. Santiago. M. Chad. D. W. W is correct. Leanne. P. Maya. P. Maddie. S. Belinda. N. Chris. H. Dave. H. Sheila. G. Brad. D. Ray. H. Tabitha. T. Tom. N. You got through the first page. These guys have been here, though. These guys have been here, so it's easier to do that. Oh, yeah. Liliana. 
A. Talia. T. M. Betsy. D. Chad. D. L. Rochelle. Marion. Meg. K. Correct. Trav. L. Dan. C. Big Stevie W. It's Dan N. Oh, Dan. It's Dan Dan Like the yogurt. From Dan N. Yeah. Big Stevie W. Angel M. Rhiannon C. Corey K. Super Sam. Dev Nexon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Andy T, Cody R, Gavinator, David C, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, the C, Joey, Fatone, M, Joey M, <laughs> Willie F, David H, Omar I, Design OTG, Eugene N. Uh, oh, um, Eugene N. Me, Leah. Leah's yeah. correct. Chris P, Nikki G, Corey, Nicole, Patricia, Heather L, Jake B, James B, Bobbitt, Joshua B, Tony G, Megan T, Mel S, Orlando C, John B, Caroline R, Rob E, Paul C, Christine S, Sarah S, Eric H, Spring. Hi, Spring. Jennifer R, Shane R, Emma R, Mark M, Jeremy V, Andrew M, Rupert no, Robert mm-hmm. G and Satoichi 77. Satoichi 77. We'll find out in a few weeks if you got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, from the Hollywood Hills in California, I'm Michael Rosenbaum. Some Rod Tails over here. That's Rod Tails. And a little wave of the camera. Hey, guys, thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Um, it's a joy. It's a joy. Um, and uh, be good to yourself. I always say that. But uh, if, you, if you're not good to yourself, who you're not going to be good to anybody else, are you? It's true. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's just, uh, it's okay. Have a good day. We'll talk to you. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.